Welcome to the Pre-Health Pod. My name is Lexi. And I'm Sarah. And we're a podcast by students for students who've been through undergrad, are going through application processes, and are here to meet you wherever you are. Hey, Sarah. How's life? Hey, it's good. How are you? I need the update. Where are you at? What's going on? I know it's been a while since we've talked like over a month. (laughs) Yeah, I guess listeners don't really know that. I just got back from my honeymoon. So we like haven't communicated in what, three weeks? Yeah, like, yeah, like three weeks. I've been waiting to for you to call me. And it's been a big challenge. I'm like, I can't text Sarah. I can't text her because she needs to relax. And... She can't know about anything I'm doing because then she'll get involved. <laughs> That's so funny because you're so right. I I mean, like we went on a cruise, so I didn't have service or anything. I couldn't do anything. I think he did that on purpose because he knows me so well. <laughs> <laughs> but when we were like trying to relax, my mind would just like start thinking of all of the things I could be working on right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Start spiraling. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> That's what margaritas are for. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. But I want to talk me, about what's going on. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, so much has happened since we've last chatted. So much. I previously had a job. I know some of you knew that I was uh in marketing, and I had left my nanny position to be work full time for uh this MCAT prep company and do some marketing stuff. It was really exciting. I really loved my job there until unfortunately my boss was creating a hostile work environment and it has started to affect me emotionally outside of work. And I went to HR about it. My entire marketing team went to HR and unfortunately they didn't provide the solution we wanted. Um, We just wanted new management and really just a better working lifestyle, like just better work and I don't know how to explain it, just not being yelled at all day, <laughs> just the bare minimum. And our team was just so ask for? <laughs> disorganized and it was affecting me outside of work. I couldn't focus on secondaries like I wanted to. And when I got to that point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so they didn't provide the solution we wanted. And pretty much the, almost the entire marketing team quit, including me. Wow. Um, and so I've been dealing with that and I've been so upset about it and torn about it because that's something I thought I was going to do for my entire gap year. And so I had like a, I went and had brunch with some friends like a week ago and I just sat there being like, what should I do with my life for the next year? <laughs> and they were so supportive. And one of them was talking about how their friend was doing this teach English in Spain program. And I know we mentioned this briefly in the podcast earlier. I recently applied for Fulbright to actually teach English in Spain. And unfortunately, I didn't get it, but I knew it was still something I really wanted to do. I really wanted to go live and work in Spain. I used to have a Spanish mentor when I was working in Switzerland, and I loved what he said about his community. And I've really wanted to experience that and also improve my Spanish language skills. So I literally just decided to submit an application for this program called CIEE, CIEE, Teach English in Spain. And it's quite similar to the Fulbright program. You just apply. It does cost some money, but fortunately I have some savings. And I applied for this six-month program 
yeah, to teach English in Madrid, the region of Madrid from That's January. That's so cool. June. You've Woo-hoo. talked about doing something like this for so long. I'm glad you're still trying to get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad it kind of worked out this way because I realized, you know, you have such limited time before you go to medical school or PA school. And I just want to make sure I use it to the best of my ability with what I really want to do. And I really wanted to live abroad again because COVID took that away from me and a lot of my peers back in 2020. So, but I honestly am just feeling kind of lost because literally right before we got on the podcast, um, I had a job lined up to work as a research technician for my old research lab. It was funny how it happened because I basically emailed my old PI and I was like, hey, would you be willing to write a recommendation letter for this Teach English in Spain program? And then she was talking about how she there's a job up and opening for her research tech job and she wanted to offer it to me. So I thought I was like, okay, awesome. And she said I could do it through December and then I'll do this program in January. It all works out. Um, but she told me they wouldn't accept this such a short-term job. So now I'm like, oh no, well, I don't know what to do until December. So we're we're still figuring it out, but it, I guess it just goes to show, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out. It's okay to take it day by day. At least it really is. Telling me. <laughs> no, it totally is. I mean, kind of in a similar boat. I um I know I've talked a lot about my job working at an OBGYN clinic and how fun it is. And like, I got to be in the OR, I got to be in charge of the OB, basically all of the OB patients and do so much really amazing stuff. But the side of it that I wasn't really talking about was the lady that was kind of in charge of all of us. And she had done all my training. Um, She wasn't a very nice woman from the get-go, and I really was struggling to be trained under her, honestly. She did a really good job of making me feel very small throughout that entire training process. Um, Mm. But I, you know, I kept telling myself, like, once you're trained, like, you're done. You you don't have to deal with her anymore. She's not going to, like, be nitpicking you, standing over your shoulder, telling you how horrible you are the whole time. I'm serious. Like, she will just stand there and tell you you suck to your face when you're working on a patient. It's the most embarrassing thing I've ever experienced. Um, And most of the time, I'm not even going to say most of the time, anytime she did that to me where she would like call me out in front of a patient and tell me I was doing something wrong or that I was like screwing things up or doing bad patient care, she wasn't even right. Like I would be like, can you explain it to me? I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. So if I'm doing something wrong, like, please explain it to me because I, I want to do better. And then she wouldn't be able to tell me what I was doing wrong because I wasn't, I was doing it right. But I don't know, I guess maybe she had some vendetta against me. She didn't like me. I don't know. I really don't know what that situation was, but when it continued past training, I started to get nervous that this was just going to become my life now. And I really didn't like it. Yeah. And then, um, the other thing that I learned about Florida is traffic's really bad when school is in <laughs> session. So over the summer, my commute was like 40 minutes tops, which was a little longer than I wanted it to be, but I really liked what I was getting to do. So I was just like, oh, well, it's 40 minutes. I get great gas mileage on my car. It's fine. And then school went back into session for all of the elementary and high schoolers. And my 40 minute commute turned into an hour and a half. 
I was sitting in traffic for an hour and a half every morning, five days a week, trying to get to this job where I was miserable. So I was like, you know what? We're done. I'm not doing this anymore. So I quit. Yeah. Good for you. Standing up for yourself and horrible bosses ruin lives, especially when, you know, you just carry it with yourself after work. And I like to leave it at work. And yeah. when it's affecting my emotional state, you know, your emotional state outside of work, that is a red flag that this job is just not good for you. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I mean, sometimes there's that fear that I'm like, what if this just happens again? Yeah. <laughs> like, what if there's just a lot of bad, mean bosses out there that work to make our lives terrible? Um, <laughs> but I'm hopeful that that's not the case because. When I was working in the ER, I loved my job. I yeah. I guess I was the boss. <laughs> well, I mean, I was well, kind of the boss. There was still someone else in charge of me. Yeah. But I liked her. She was okay. She wasn't perfect, but I could, like, she didn't, she wasn't mean. She wasn't a mean person. Right. So, I don't know. No, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, Sarah. Like, for me... And this, I actually brought this up as an example at my old job. And I used to work in an office job very similar to what I was doing. I used to work at Arizona State University in their event planning department. So I planned community service events and I loved that job. Um, I crave organization in my job. It's how I function and how I thrive. And they did it so well there. My boss in particular, um, we more were had conversations rather than her talking at me during our one-on-ones. And during our one-on-ones, they were set times either once a month or once a week, depending on how busy the planning was or whether school was in session. Yeah. And we always had we always had like an agenda for our meetings. I guess this is kind of the bare minimums. Um, but I didn't have any of that in my other job with that MCAT prep company. It was just like random meetings at random times every day. My boss was just talking at me rather than with me. And when I offered suggestions to like organize our team, it was just, you know, we are organized, like you're wrong, I'm right mentality. And so I felt like there was no open dialogue or opportunities to have those conversations. And it was very difficult. Um, I tried to like bring it up to him and our team, but when you're just faced with that brick wall, there's really nothing you can do to change it. Yeah, absolutely. On to the next. <laughs> I know. On to bigger and better things. Catch me on Indeed applying for new jobs. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. If anybody knows any in Arizona, please let me know. <laughs> Seriously. Or Florida near Tampa. <laughs> oh my God. Um. Yeah. How is PA applications? Anything new? You're going to die. <gasps> <laughs> I'm going to (laughs) die? Tell me. Today, I got an email inviting me for an interview in September. Where? When? Yeah, it's September 15th. It's at 8 (laughs) a.m. And it's with um, a school in North Carolina. Oh, my God. I'm going to be road tripping here soon. And I'm so excited. I got the email and I truly just like sobbed for like a solid 20 minutes. I was so happy. Um, 
my favorite part about this whole thing is that this is the school where one of my really good friends is currently attending. So if I do get in and get to go there, like I'd, I'd get to be with my friend again. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> and I just can't believe it. Like she's someone that's really helped me through this entire PA process because I yeah. literally watched her do it. And she's always been so encouraging and we have like weekly FaceTime calls where I help her study for her exams and like we talk about life and stuff. So I can't believe that I could be going to the same school that she goes to. Like, that's just really exciting to me too. Aww. But I'm pumped. Also, it's expensive <laughs> to travel. Is it... Oh, to travel. Okay. I was like, yeah. I, yeah. Well, the program's pretty average. Like it's expensive, but it's it's in the average PA school range. But I've been like planning all of the things, like how I'm going to get there. And I was going to fly. And then I was like, wait, then you have to rent a car. Yeah. Where am I going to stay? Oh, this program, I think <laughs> <laughs> this um, school that I'm doing this interview with, they're honestly like, I don't know if everyone does this, but I thought it was really sweet. They reserved a block of hotel rooms at the hotel right by the school. So you can stay at that hotel for a huge discount because it's like the school reserved a block of rooms for us. I guess that makes it a lot better. At least some (laughs) help with the cost. Really nice. At first I was like, are they getting money off of this? And then I looked into (laughs) it and it's actually like $70 cheaper a night. Wow, at this hotel than any of the other hotels nearby so they're actually giving us a huge discount so shout out to them why not pay for the hotel why not go all the way (laughs) (laughs) you're paying like 70 dollars off like what's an extra 30 dollars is what it's probably like a hundred dollar hotel night i don't know oh no it's really expensive really yeah, this nice? area, this area is really pretty, really nice. Um, Ooh. Screw it. I'll just say it. It's Asheville, North Carolina. So that's like tourist oh, town of okay. North Carolina. So it's really expensive to stay there. Um, so even with this discount, the hotel room is still like $130 a night. Okay. Yeah. That's exciting. I've seen pictures of Asheville. It looks so pretty. It's so pretty. We're I'm gonna make like a whole weekend out of it and explore and everything. And there's like some really cool hiking trails and there's this giant manor. And Ooh. I don't know. I'm just really excited. I think it's gonna be fun. And I'm a little nervous, but I don't know. I feel good about it. At least you have an excuse to travel. <laughs> that's like that's like what I've been looking at it. If I get interview out of state, I'm like, oh well, I have to go. There's no other. Yeah, I've decided I'm gonna road trip it. It's only nine hours from where I live, so that's not bad. With traffic, though, beware. (laughs) And it's crazy. Like I used to take road trips too from Florida. It takes like six hours just to get out of Florida. Like you never realize how big that state is. It's or how long it is. Yeah. Yeah. What format is your interview? It is kind of weird. It's a whole day event. I don't know Ooh. if medical school does this. Yeah, they um, do. I, I'm i kind of excited that it's a whole day event, though. I'm just going to pull it up and read it off to you so I don't screw it up. I want to get in order. <laughs> what if they're listening? They're like, she didn't do <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so 
the first part is just like a hello and they introduce you to the program and then you meet all the faculty and the staff yeah and then there's like a little introduction to each other like where we'll like I don't know I guess small talk get to know your competition (laughs) oh no (laughs) and then they do a seminar about expectations and it's supposed to be like an open conversation about our expectations for the program and their expectations for us and then we have group interviews and then we do individual interviews and then they're providing lunch and then they have a this thing called final selection so you know if you got in or not what like after lunch they tell you if you're accepted or not it's like pageants yeah (laughs) and it's literally called final selection And I'm really kind of anxious about how this is formatted. Like, am I just going to be like standing? Do I have a number? (laughs) Yeah. Do you get a crown and sash at the end? (laughs) Number seven, eight, and 32. You've been accepted. Everyone else can leave. Like, how is this going to work? Makes me nervous. That is so interesting. Isn't it? Like, How do they make a decision that quickly? I guess during lunch, they just hash it out. Is it one-on-one or like multiple mini interview? I don't know. It just says group interview and then individual interview. I don't oh, know okay. if that's going to be like a panel at both or a couple individuals. Yeah. But we'll see. I'll let you know. Yeah. And then oh the selection occurs. That selection, I think I'd be really scared. <laughs> I'd be like, it's a I little intimidating. <laughs> I used to do pageants when I was a kid yeah, um, in Florida, and that was like the worst part, (laughs) just like standing in our little pretty dresses with our number eight wins. Congratulations, Miss Orlando. Like, oh. Yeah. I feel like it kind of like, I don't know, I'm going to feel embarrassed if I don't get accepted and I'm standing there with everyone else. Yeah. Like, Like, what do you do? I really I guess it's good that you know. I hope that that this isn't how it's being portrayed in my brain. Like the way my brain is taking this is it's going to be like in a conference room. It's going to be all of us. I really hope that's not the case. And it's like you go into an office with an advisor and they let you know. And then you leave the office. Didn't your friends say that they're at at that school? Yeah. Then ask them like what it was like. I need to, but she's taking a test. Oh, (laughs) Damn it. <laughs> At the time of this being recorded, she has been taking an exam since I got the email. Oh, well, that's unfair of her. <laughs> I know. Ridiculous. Oh so, yeah, gosh. that's, well, that's exciting. PA school. Do you know Thank when you. you would start? Also, if you get accepted, would you just like do it? Like you just go to that school? Okay. So many questions. <laughs> oh, probably. The, the start date is January 2024. Okay. So in like <laughs> checks four watch. months. <laughs> it's in four months. Yeah. I would start PA school in four months. Wow. That's crazy. That's insane. I was not ready for that. I'm I'm ready for this. Well, get ready, girl. Because it's coming. Oh, this is so exciting. You're gonna do it. Really so personable. You have a podcast for Jesus Christ's sake. <laughs> Am I not to say that? <laughs> oh it's hilarious yeah I don't know I really hope that it all works out but what about you how's it going with medical school 
Well, I'm officially done with all of my secondaries, except for one that I haven't received yet, but I don't know if I'll receive it because it was kind of a stretch there in California and pretty like low out of state percentage. So I don't know. But the rest of them I'm done. Oh my gosh, congrats. I have a medical school interview tomorrow. And right after this podcast, I have a reception with some medical students. So I'm really excited. Shut up. (laughs) It's right after this. What are you doing here? (laughs) Literally, yeah, like in an hour, less than an hour, I have a pre-reception. So the day before the interview, they do like a meet and greet with all the medical students. And I guess you can just ask them questions and they can also introduce you a little bit more and get you more familiarized with the program and the curriculum and the activities. And I honestly am really glad they do this because then I'm, it's a lot easier to digest and the information regarding the school than looking at their website and trying to find the information in all these forums. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. And this is online. It. You're doing this via Zoom. Yeah. It's very weird. It's all virtual. Normally, like before COVID, they did it all. You had to go down. The school is at U of A Tucson and you had to go down to Tucson. I'm in Phoenix right now and I guess stay for a few days. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I wonder if they're going to put you in breakout rooms. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Um, do you have questions prepared? How are you preparing for this? I do. I have great questions. You want to hear them? (laughs) <laughs> yes let's go well, let me pull up my little document here that I've been I've been like doing so much research I think I'm over preparing <laughs> no <laughs> so, such thing okay so some of my questions are what are some qualities or characteristics that would make successful medical students at this institution like what characteristics I guess of you as medical students have made you successful and how what programs do you engage in at this school that help maintain a healthy work-life balance and prevent burnout very important how do you engage in the collaborative learning environment Um, I'll ask a little bit more specific questions like what is your most favorite community engagement activity that you've done at this school? Um, Are you involved in the CUP clinics, which is like community for community underserved people's clinics, which is a very important aspect of the U of A Tucson medical program? Yeah. So I'm interested in participating in that as well. And I'll ask like what elective courses they're involved in. I'm really interested in the research elective course. So if anybody's involved in that, I will ask them lots of questions. (laughs) And yeah, like how have you gotten involved in mentorship and advising and how feasible is it at this program? So yeah, those are some of my questions. I thought of a question you can add to your list. (laughs) Ooh, okay, great. (laughs) So, okay. One of the ways I'm preparing for my interview is by I'm no joke. I'm just going to admit this on our podcast. I go to TikTok. I go to the search bar and I put in PA school interview. Oh God. And then I've Literally. been watching people's TikToks. Sorry, I did the same thing. Okay, good. So <laughs> some random I was like, medical girl. school interview. Yeah. Who's out there? <laughs> no, it's, influencers. It's helpful. And yeah. I don't know. I, I've enjoyed it. But um, this girl at like gave an example of a question that I loved 
And she said, like, if you get to interact with any of the students, you should ask them if there's anything about this program that you had no idea existed even after you did your interview. And it's like a great reason to join. Because she said from asking that question, she learned about the program's um, little like, I don't know how she explained it, but it was like a little sub-branch program where you could go for six months and serve in like Guatemala in the health clinics as a PA. Um, And she had no idea that was even a thing. Like it wasn't something they really talked about. It wasn't something on their website. And it was kind of like on the down low because they only accept like five students every year to go do it. Wow. That is great. Thank you for that. I just added that to my list. I liked that question. I was like, that's genius. I'm going to start asking that because even as a student, like before I started going to ASU and even before I do like work things, Mm -hmm. there are things you find out during the process that you're like, holy crap, I wish I'd known that beforehand. Yeah. Like programs. Like I think one of them was TGEM research at ASU. I was like, oh, I didn't know I could get involved in that. Yeah. Um, Just different stuff like that. That's good. That's a good one. Um, I'd also like to make a correction. I meant to say commitment to underserved people program. So CUP clinic. So if you're interested in any of these University of Arizona Tucson programs, um, they have quite an emphasis emphasis on community focused programs and initiatives. So definitely check those out. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm really excited. And guess who's gonna like be there at the meet and greet tonight? Who? Andres. <laughs> Andres Diaz. Yeah, our our previous guest speaker. I texted him. I was like, you go to, I know this already, but I was like, you're, you're a med cat, right? (laughs) I have this thing tonight. Are you, are you there? He was like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm so jealous that you get a familiar face there. I'm really excited. What an advantage. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, I guess it's a little iffy. Um, But you know, if any of you want to are interested in U of A Tucson, like reach out to us. I'll connect you to Andres. He's always looking to help people and he's just so awesome. And also check out our previous episode with him. It's yeah, Becoming Healers. With I love MVP that episode. Season. Yeah, I did too. Oh, he's so inspirational. He really is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want to know though, this is like kind of early. It's August. What if they accept you? What What's the plan here? <laughs> <laughs> um, So I know the timeline. They won't release, I believe, according to online forums, they won't release acceptances in until October. Until October. Is um, that so everyone though, or just U of A? I think most medical schools... I know some people, like current medical students at U of A Tucson and Phoenix, and they interviewed August or September, and they knew as early as October okay. regarding acceptances and I think wait lists as well. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm taking it wow. day by day because I know that Mayo will also be sending their interview invite soon. Um, and August is pretty early. So if you haven't gotten an interview yet, if you are in the current application process, don't sweat it. It's like really early. And September or October are typical is the typical time frame for receiving interview invites from medical schools if you apply pretty early. I applied day one of the application, primary application, and then I submitted secondaries like two to three weeks after I received them. But if you yeah. didn't, 
like plenty of people get into medical school submitting their primary in August. You know, it just depends on your journey and your timeline and own it. What are you doing over the summer? And, you know, what has delayed your application? Like, it's okay. Take it day by day. Also, check out our episode with Jay and Izzy from Mayo. They had some great insights into the application process. You know, as you're saying it's only August and me saying it's only August, I look down at my calendar and it's August 24th. And by the time (laughs) this episode comes out, it's going to be like, what, August 30th or something? It's still August. It's crazy, though. (laughs) It's practically September. Oh, my gosh, which reminds me. Happy pumpkin spice latte season to everyone who celebrates. (laughs) I wish we could go get peace halls together. I know. I I know. (laughs) I want to plan a girl's trip soon. I want to go see you in Florida. I'm busy. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) You can't be busy. You've got interviews. I have an interview. I know. Like our lives are about to go crazy. Yeah. We'll talk in January. Job. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I'm trying to move right now too. My lease is up in in like a week. (laughs) I have no idea where to go. Are you serious? (laughs) I was gonna move to Tempe. Um, because my job would have been there, but now I can't. And I'm like, well, I could move to Tempe, but it was going to be more expensive. So I'm like, wait, now where do I move? That's cheaper. So anyway, I'm just like having a tiny bit of a crisis, but it's okay. Because I told my boyfriend, I was like, I can't have this crisis right now. I have an interview tomorrow. We have scheduled the crisis for Saturday. So Saturday I will deal with it. (laughs) that's so funny. I do the same thing. I'm like, yeah. crisis can't happen right now. Crisis has to wait till mm-hmm. Monday. On Monday, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday is the day I'm Put a pin really digging my heels into indie.com or handshake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I totally <sighs> feel that. Okay. Anyway. Before we move on to like our little topic we're going to talk about today, I want to bring up something that I learned today about PA school. And I think medical school does something similar too. Um, just so you guys financially prepare yourselves for this endeavor that is applying to graduate school. Um, if you get an acceptance to a school and it's like your first acceptance and you're waiting to hear back from the other ones you applied to, or you have another interview coming up and like, you're just kind of not in a place where you want to accept the first one you get, but you don't want to lose out on that spot either. There's this fun thing called deposits and the school (laughs) will have you give them a non-refundable deposit to save your seat. And all of the research I've done and talking to different past applicants, current PAs, basically like the recommendation is you pay the deposit for the very first school you get accepted to just so no matter what happens, you have that school. So for example, the one I have an interview coming up with, their deposit is $1,500. So yeah, prepare yourselves. Wow. Aside some cash because it's, it's not a cheap project. And then even after that, if you get more acceptances, but you still have other interviews coming up in the future, you have to put down more deposits and this money is just gone once you give it to them. And I know they do interviews all the way through January. So yeah, just plan for it. Prepare yourselves. But what about medical school? I think they do similar things. 
you know, I don't know if I said this. I totally thought it was like also similar PA schools, like 1,500, 2,000, 3,000. But um, I learned that for osteopathic schools, it is actually, it is like $1,000 or more deposit if you're accepted in osteopathic schools. So that's DO route. Mm-hmm. But for MD or allopathic schools, they charge more of a $100 deposit. Shut up. So actually I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And I was just like, oh, but I wonder what like U of A Tucson's acceptance deposit is. And I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> it's so a the- little, it seems like the deposits don't matter as much for medical school though, because you're saying most acceptances are in October. Yeah. Or you they start to roll to, in October. Like I know people like kind of have to school. accept it the same day though, right? I think they give you like a week or two to like secure your spot. So that's yeah. what these deposits are. Like you can secure your spot, have them hold your spot until you make a decision. Yeah. Um, but I think once we get to it, hopefully <laughs> this fall, um, we'll definitely update you and let you know. But yeah, that's kind of what I see so far. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> PA school applications are so much less expensive than medical school applications. So I guess this yeah. is just where they get us now. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, Yeah. You want to talk about like how to prep for interviews, maybe different types of interviews, interview formats, all that kind of jazz in our last... Yes. 15-ish minutes here. Absolutely. Let's call it 10 minutes. Okay. (laughs) You're going to make me talk less? Yes, I am. Because you've got a thing, girl. Yeah. Sorry, Jeez. That's why I own a podcast. (laughs) I'll let it all out here. So my poor boyfriend doesn't have to hear it all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So prepping for my interview. So I, I mean, I got the email today, but... Before that, I was even trying to do some interview prep. So um, some of the main things I've been doing is writing out answers to questions that are super common. Questions like, why do you want to be a PA or why medicine? Things like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, What's another good one that's really popular? I was just working on this like an hour ago. What the heck? (laughs) I guess I overstimulated myself with these questions, but anyways, I'm writing these questions out. I'm writing responses to them. And then I'm seriously just like reading them over and over and over again. I want this to be a script I've memorized because I know that when I'm in the room and panicking, I'm going to need a script to fall back on. Now I'm the kind of person who did theater growing up. So you (laughs) you give me a script, like it's not going to sound like I'm reading from a script because I used to do theater. Um, If you are not that kind of person, I would say this is the wrong method to go about. I would not recommend this style of preparing for interviews because you don't want to sound like it's been rehearsed and it's been memorized. So that's my opinion on that. What do you think, Lex? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing the same way. I was also very much into theater. I did show choir in high school. Um, Me too. Yeah. And I have been, I did get this like huge list of examples of MMI questions. Also, if you want them, email us <laughs> mphc at nationalprealthconfcnf.org. Um, my interview tomorrow is MMI, which is a multiple mini interview. It has six stations 
virtually, weirdly. We'll figure that out tomorrow. Um, where I have one interviewer or an act a, like a set of actors who are acting out an ethical scenario that I have to discuss and provide a solution to. Wait, and, wait, wait. I have a yeah. question. Sorry, I'm yeah. interrupting. Did they <laughs> tell you this or is this just what you've learned from the internet? So they told me I was going to have an MMI interview and I asked some like med students and they said there may there are likely will be actors there as well virtually. Um, it may have been more common before the pandemic, so it may not be virtual anymore. I, I guess we'll see tomorrow. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Like they acted out. Mm-hmm. I have a question for that. There was one that they recommended having a response to that was like the patient comes in really upset saying that you guys aren't treating him correctly. Yeah. He's freaking out. He's throwing things. He's causing a huge scene. How are you going to go treat that patient? That was a question that like kept coming up in my like studies of what questions are being asked. So maybe prep for that question. <laughs> yeah. I'll give some examples to a lot of my shorter ethical scenarios. I'm looking at my list right now. Um, one of them is a 14 year old patient requests birth control pills from you and asks that you not tell her parents, what would you do? That question is outdated because now oh, really? you can get birth control over the counter at any pharmacy. That is true. Oh my God. So that so should maybe, be your, that should be your response to that question. <laughs> they might. It's a very common. I don't know. We'll see tomorrow if they ask me that. Um, well, let me ask another one. So this is also a very common one. If you have the choice of giving a transplant to a successful elderly member of the community and a 20-year-old drug addict, how do you choose? So very tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a tough question. The drug addict's not going to be on the donor list. Depends. So what they're looking for is like being able to ask all of the discussion points and all of the questions and really think about every aspect of this question. So they may be a drug addict, but they might be sober. How long have they been sober for? What is their drug of choice? Like they don't say these things in the question because they want you to ask and think about it. Um, Whether an elderly member of the community is successful should not impact your judgment at all of whoever gets the liver. And they also want you to discuss and bring in like one of the ethical pillars. So justice, non-maleficence, beneficence, and autonomy. Discuss how those play into your decision-making and ask like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot. I don't um, like that. I'll be honest. I do not like that as a question because in my mind, it's like, well, they're not looking there's, for there's an organ donor list. Like, why are you asking me this question? I'm never going to be in the situation where I have to assign someone an organ. That's why we have UNOS. So Sarah, that they know that and they're looking <laughs> for you to come to that conclusion, but also like they don't really I don't think they care too much about what's right or wrong. Like the 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 answer they care about how you came to it and what questions you asked, what you thought about. You want to talk aloud and like discuss your your decision making. Um, yeah, you got to think about all the factors like consider age in this process. Why does the elderly woman need a transplant? Could there be alternative treatments for her? Because it doesn't say. And same yeah. for the drug addict. Like, is it really due to 
using drugs, like thinking about every single aspect from every point. I get the point (laughs) of the question. I just feel like there's better things to ask someone. Well, they also ask, like, not all the stations are ethical scenarios. They're also like, why would you want to be a physician? Um, Why? One was like, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? (laughs) If you could establish a colony of Mars, how would you do it? (laughs) I can't believe icebreaker questions can be make it or break it. (laughs) I don't know about that. Um, But I got really good advice as well from my MMI interviews. Uh, I hope to have this person on the podcast soon. So we'll do dedicate a whole episode to interviews, not just this one. Um, but he basically gave me a template. So before you even ask the question, he said to introduce yourself because you'll enter the zoom room. They won't really know you besides what's on a piece of paper, but like introduce yourself and be personal and say, Hey, thank you again for the opportunity to be here. I'm really excited to be a prospective student at the school. Um, then restate the question. Like, here's what I understood about this question. And here's what it's asking me. Then define the ethical pillar. It's discussing then do your discussion points and questions, ask all of your questions aloud, then discuss both sides of the coin. So why you would choose this or why you would choose this. And then at the end, come to a clear decision. He said, don't waffle it. <laughs> That's what he said. Don't use maybe words or potentially come to a like one decision at the end. And then try to leave time to have like a normal conversation with the interviewer because they're looking at you objectively and that kind of removes any subjectivity in the interview, which which can help you. But you also want to try to be have leave some time to have a more personal conversation too at the end, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, that's the MMI. <laughs> it sounds stressful. <laughs> looking at it objectively, according to like all the videos I watched by MMIs, they actually are supposed to help you because you meet more people. That's true. There's more opinions to be made about you. Hey, what do you think about I this has been going on in a lot of the videos I've been watching. What do you think about the idea of asking the question? Is there anything about me or my application that concerns you? That would be a reason you wouldn't accept me to your program. Hmm. What do you think about that question? Because a lot of people are saying you should ask this question because then you can talk with them about what it is and you can like resolve their fears and explain away any issues they see. But in my brain, I'm kind of like, I think that just brings up muddy waters. Like, and I think if you don't get accepted, you can call the school. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know this. You can call the school and ask, like, what can I do to improve my application? Yeah. Um, they might not answer, but I know some people who got answers. So we yeah, that's an a, email too. It doesn't have to be a phone call. Yeah. Hmm. I would like also a lot of interviews are closed file. So yeah. I make sure you know that. Um, they may not even know anything about your application other than your name and maybe your GPA or something. It depends. There's different types yeah, of those files. True. Yeah. Um, have you had a traditional interview or just I guess like a what what would they what would they call your PA interview in September? Is it just like a 
Well, it's two. There's a group interview and then there's an individual interview. So if okay. it was an MMI, they would have said an MMI. What so is it's... a group interview? Do you know? Kind of. So it's going to be like, I don't know exactly what they're going to ask us, but you're in with a group of other students who are applicants. And then you're also with a panel of people asking questions and they could do like one of a few things. They could just ask a general question and you all have to like build off of each other's responses or they can give us an assignment or a task to do and we have to work as a team to complete that task. So like, mm. I don't know. I heard one story that was like, they had to build your, I hate this. I hate that this is a thing, honestly. <laughs> they had to work together to build the tallest tower possible out of dry spaghetti noodles and marshmallows. Oh my so God. I think I did that in sixth grade. The science Olympiad. Yeah. And apparently what? we're doing that again in PA interviews. I guess it's to assess like your ability to work as a team and who takes over as the leader. Are they a good yeah. leader? Who's a follower? Who's not really participating? Like, I think that's why they're doing it. But again, I'm just like, isn't there a better way to do this? <laughs> you know, what do you think of this is very similar to one of the MMI scenarios. Um, I don't think it would happen at mine because it's virtual, but a scenario is we walk into a room, there's a group of actors and there's like Jenga pieces and you have to like instruct them how to play Jenga or build a tower using the Jenga pieces. I like, like this one. You teach them, like you're the only one in the room and there's like just a this bunch one. of actors. Yeah, there's another one I know that they do virtually um where they have you explain you're looking at a picture and you have to explain to someone on the zoom how to draw the picture you're looking at oh <laughs> yeah I see the point of these ones because it yeah. really shows how good of a communicator you are I don't mm -hmm. see the point of spaghetti spaghetti marshmallows <laughs> are you kidding me There's I was so bad at those in elementary more. school so was I. Maybe that's why I'm so against it because I was bad at it. <laughs> I never I won. No, never. I think I'd rather have us like play a game of kickball than build a spaghetti tower. Yeah, I would totally ace kickball. Seriously. I miss <laughs> kickball, if we're being honest. Yeah. Okay. Good luck tomorrow, Lexi. I believe in you. Thank you so much. I I'm know we're recording an episode of like. All about it. So the episode we scheduled tomorrow is 30 minutes after my interview. So I'll fit fresh in my memory. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I can't wait. It's all virtual. So yeah. Um, so I'll let you guys know how it goes and give any tips. And I have to get ready for my pre-reception in 30 minutes, which I'm excited for. You got hey. this. Thank you, Sarah. All right. I'll roll the credits. This podcast was produced by Ari Risenthal, Lorelai Edmonds, and Aditi Galande. You can find our conference on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at National Pre-Alt Community or MPHC 2020. You can also find our podcast on Instagram at Pre-Alt You can find all of our events, including a research symposium, PA conference, and our next National Pre-Alt Conference at nationalprealtconf.org under events. And please like, leave a review, or tell one friend if you liked our podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.